Welcome to the All of Life podcast from Redemption Church Tempe, where we have conversations on faith, culture, theology, and beyond to help us live all of life, all for Jesus. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to the All of Life podcast, where we believe that all of life is all for Jesus. My name is John, and I am very excited for today's episode on our podcast because I am joined with two of my favorite people, people that I deeply respect that I get to work alongside of um, on our communities team. I'm joined by Melissa Blakey. Hi, how are you guys? And by Josh Miller. What's up? How's it going? So Melissa is the director of community. She's working alongside of me with community stuff. Josh Miller is one of our pastoral residents, um, and he's also working on our communities team. And so we are uh, really excited for the episode because we're going to be talking about family culture today on the podcast. And this is something that we have really had not only the vision of, but something that we have structured our church um, to really press into as a community to say, hey, we want to be a church community that embodies family culture. And so um, Josh and Melissa and myself, we are kind of at the helm of the family culture vision and team working along with other people on that team as well, our uh, Kaya folks and some different people. But uh, we're excited because we want to talk about this vision for family culture for our church. And so before we dive in uh, to the questions that I've got for Melissa and Josh, um, just when we talk about family culture, that may be new language, and people might be like, what, what does that mean, family culture in the church? And so uh, essentially what we mean by family culture is a lot of times when we approach the church, we can view it a certain way. Oftentimes, you can view the church as a vendor of religious services. You can view it as a nonprofit. You could view it as an affinity group or a classroom or simply just a Sunday production, um, but we don't want to do that. We want to view the church as a family, and because of that, we also want to create a culture of family within the church. So when we talk about family culture, it it shapes the way we view and approach one another, how we view and approach each other in the church. It's a culture where we treat one another as brothers and sisters, where older members of the church family function as kingdom parents and grandparents where people who are single are welcomed to the table of brothers and sisters within nuclear families, where church leadership and leaders function as fathers and mothers rather than executives. And it is a culture that also seeks to extend the hospitality of God to those outside of the family of God, that we want to embody this family culture at Redemption Tempe. And so that's kind of the the what when we say, well, what is family culture? But I want to ask you guys, Melissa and Josh, why is this something we care about? Why do we care about this? Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, oh, well, no, no, you, you go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> no, Melissa, you go ahead. Um, no, you start. Go ahead. I think fundamentally speaking, like, this is not something that we just conjured up in a room when we thought about what is it, what does it mean to be a part of Redemption Tempe and what do we want? Um, but I think this is just deeply biblical. Like, this is God's idea for his people um, we see a lot of this culminate in the New Testament. Um, Paul and Peter kind of highlight a lot of this as well as John. Um, but the, the unique thing about uh, some of those passages is it seems to be 
uh, language that's uh, helping usher in that new covenant that's been there, you know, that has been this trajectory for this the, the entire history of God's people, right? Like God wants to be near to his people and they want to be near to him and Jesus dying, resurrecting, and then leaving a legacy and, and like inviting us into something actually is the blueprint for mm. the church. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's the blueprint for how we're supposed to treat one another, how we're supposed to go about our daily lives, how we're supposed to exist with one another, how we're supposed to bring this news to other people. And it's a lot of like, even though the language isn't used in some of these passages, it's a lot of the same sentiment when Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, you've heard it said, but I say to you. Hmm. You might have heard what it said and you might have been experienced in families, but this is actually what it means to really be a part of the people of God. Um, And I think that's like from that place um, we just don't want to reinvent the wheel. We don't have a better idea right. than God for what it's like to be a part of his people. Um, so some of those passages, uh, Ephesians 2.19 really hones in on the members, like being members of God's family. Romans 10.1 uses a lot of brothers and sisters language. 1 Corinthians 1.10, again, a lot of brothers and sisters language, um, and so on and so forth. But like, again, that, that language isn't foreign to anybody who's ever experienced a family. Mm. You right. Know? So... Yeah. That's kind of the the fundamental reason as to why yeah. this is. Like we didn't just, you know, we didn't just come up with this idea. Oh, families are cool. Like let's start <laughs> implementing that as our like approach to being together. Yeah. So this this isn't like a cool, hip, trendy thing that we thought like, hey, this is a church growth strategy of like we think we can just say, hey, the church is a family. It's not supposed to be one of these other things. Right. But what you're saying is – this is one of the dominant metaphors or images that we see throughout the Bible, especially the New Testament for the church, kind of this brother and sister language, the family of God, the household of God. But also what you're saying is like, this wasn't our idea. No. This is actually God's idea. 100%. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so why we care about it? First, it's thoroughly biblical and this is God's design. And so if we see this in the Bible, we want to take our cues from the Bible first and foremost right. of like, hey, maybe God actually knows what's best for the church and there's something here. Um, but Melissa, why else is this something we care about? Well, I think there's a lot of um, ideas behind family and, you know, we hear about it a lot. Um, And a lot of times people approach church in a certain way. They feel like, oh, I'm coming to church because, uh, you know, oh, it's a Sunday production and, oh, I I just want to like get in and get out. And and we really want to say, hey, come here and stay because we really believe that the community and this family idea can actually change the trajectory of the way we live. Um, It can really, we Mm. can really live out of that place of being known and being seen. And Mm. I I just fully know and believe that like we need to be known and seen and Mm -hmm. God calls us not to do this life alone. So in order to do it with people, we need to create spaces where people can become like family. Yeah. 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 That's good. Um, so, okay. So people want to be known, uh, create a space for people who experience family, but If I'm if I'm listening to this and I hear, hey, uh, you're talking about the church as family. Um, what if my family is <laughs> kind of crazy, right? right? Like, I mean, yeah. legitimately. Like, yeah. what if I come from a messy family? I hear family, and it makes me want to run the opposite direction <laughs> yeah. because my family's messy. I got a crazy family, and so you're saying. Family culture and the church; those two things combined, like this, scares me. Mm. What yes. would you What would you say to people that actually feel that a bit? 
Yeah, I would say, you know what? Sometimes fear and skepticism is legitimate. Mm. We all have like family baggage and family backgrounds, but this family that we're trying to create is not one that you were just born into. It's mm-hmm. one that you kind of get to be creative with it. You get to have maybe an experience you didn't get to have in the past. Mm. You get to have people who love you. And granted, it's going to be imperfect, but it's a little risky, but we we want to give you like an, an opportunity for a new version of family, um, like kind of almost like a redeemed version mm. of what family could look like. And that's what our hope is by creating these spaces and, and wanting family culture to flourish. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I know some people might be listening and <clears throat> have had, you know, maybe negative experiences with this kind of language where people have taken this abused it and said Mm. and really used it as a tactic kind of like some families do of like you're part of this family you need to be loyal you need to do what I say you need to like how could you abandon the family and I just really don't think that's our ethos at all like Mm -mm. that's not what we want that's not the reason we're using this Mm. language again we're starting from the place of God having this beautiful perfect and true idea of what it is to belong and what it is to be a part of something. Because mm. um, if you think about it, right, like if we're just to, you know, break this down a little bit, what you're receiving in a family and particularly a family culture, so culture meaning like that's everybody's participation in the thing. It's not just an idea. It's not just a concept. It's like me actually sitting at this table with you, Melissa, and with you, John, being in relationship with you, walking through the ups and the downs of that. Like there are things that you are able to receive and give in the space of a family that you're not able to give and receive elsewhere, right? Right. You're able to join a social group if you'd like surrounding any number of topics. You could join a bowling league. You could join an anime club. You're going to join a bowling league? Hey, listen, I'm trying to reach a diverse audience here. (laughs) So if you're 87 and listening to this podcast. we have a lot of bowlers in our congregation? I thought you were a golf guy, but (laughs) bowling, I guess. Yes. Um, so yeah, if you want to if you want to join those things, you are going to connect with people, you are going to build relationships, but like are you going to talk with your bowling partner if you have an issue with him in a way that's like, "Hey, we're at the table no matter what" right. kind of thing. So, I think like what God is providing to us in a family. If we're starting from the the place of like we want to start with God's idea. What God is providing is a space to be known, like you said, and to know, a space to be loved and to be loved, and a space to always have this operating premise of we feel comfortable inviting people in when other groups might be comfortable keeping people out, right? Mm -hmm. Mm. Why? Why is that? Why would you be interested and um, constantly feeling like you can invite people in is because like it's a foundation that we didn't start, right? Right. Like we are in a culture that, that wants to create tribes and wants to create these kind of just create division with groups. right? Right. Um, and I really think what God's providing to us is an opportunity to uh, to not do that, to be the inverse of that, actually, mm. and to say, like, wait, no, no, you can come and exist here and be known and be loved and push against, like, it's just going to be easy all the time. Right. Like, that comes with people's totally. baggage. It comes with the hardships of it. Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. know about you, but to know and be known is a vulnerable process. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And I, I, I love what both of you guys are saying. Like, even if we if – we, hang this conversation of the why of, like, why is this something we care about? If we just boil it down to say, like, this is God's design. It's thoroughly biblical. But also, not only is it God's design for the church, but there's a creational design that you hit on, Melissa, about we all want to be known and loved, right? We, we, We have a creational design to be known and to be loved. 
And that is innate in every single person, whether you follow Jesus or not. Right. And so it seems like what you guys are getting at is uh, there is a longing inside of every single person, whether you follow Jesus or not. And I think that speaks to our current cultural moment of the ache mm-hmm. in, in society yeah. today. Like there is a felt ache in society um, before uh, before COVID broke out in 2019, there were uh, studies that were done on our society, and we were officially diagnosed as being in an, in an epidemic of loneliness in 2019. This is before COVID and everything happened. And what that 2019 study revealed was for the first time in the history of our society, young people, millennials, and Gen Z, for the first time, were lonelier than the elderly. Yeah. Yeah. In assisted living, homes, you know, all of those things, like elderly are typically in our society the loneliest. Yeah. Young people, for the first time in the history of America in 2019, are lonelier. Yeah. Well, then... We all know what happened with COVID 2020 that exacerbated this loneliness epidemic. We were isolated. We were apart. People were no longer going into work. Everybody worked remote. Everybody worked remote. And um, and then we've seen now, right, the mental, emotional effects, right. relational effects on people. And so now we're in 2023. This was four years ago before uh, a global pandemic. And there is an epidemic of loneliness that has been even more heightened now today where people are lonelier now than ever. And so I would love, Melissa, for you just to hit on, like, it seems like there is a longing for belonging. Yes, uh, definitely. There is a longing for belonging. We all want to be known. We all want to be seen, like you said. And I feel like hospitality is going to like create an environment where the gospel is shared and we Mm. want to be able to create spaces like that. And um, we we definitely want to have an opportunity to extend that hospitality of God that we see in Scripture to mm. the people within our church, to, with one another. We yeah. want to demonstrate tangibly what that looks like because we don't want that epidemic to continue, and we want to we want to have answers for that. Yeah, yeah. So in a, it seems like in a in a moment uh, where societally people are lonelier than ever. What might family culture offer to the watching world? Mm. What would you guys say? So people are longing, like you said, hey, to be known, to be loved, longing for belonging. We have the opportunity as family culture to extend this hospitality. What is the, we could even say evangelistic opportunity? Mm. Like what's at stake if we live this vision out well to a watching world? What would you guys say? Um, I think, you know, we can intentionally like make room to give of ourselves and then make other people feel known. I think it's a it's a give and take. It's, you know, I'm going to show up for you and then you're going to show up for me and we're going to be vulnerable with each other. We're going to share and we're going to extend hospitality to one another and create spaces where that can happen. Um, mm. As I've been looking and studying at things, I feel like knowing our own story is so integral in doing that in a mm. way where we're able to participate with that in community, we can't do that alone. We need other people to kind of bounce those things off of. And so, yeah, we want to create these unique spaces where people can share their story with each other. And even if it's scary, like push in a little bit at a time, it's not like we're saying you have to do that overnight, but 
being able to share stories, and I've been doing this myself in my own life, um, and just being able to open up those those windows for people to kind of see into us and help us like process, like, well, where do we come from, and so that we can know where we're going. Yeah, I think I, I love that. That's that's so good, and and just even like with the story piece, I think you're hitting at like people want to be listened to, you know, yeah. and like the power of a listening ear in this lonely moment in our society. Mm. Um, but, you know, one of the other things that I'm struck by that I'd love for you guys to expand on, I know even in our conversations as we're talking through community, um, redemption communities, and just yeah. kind of the vision for communities is that just the fact that when we talk about the watching world and people that don't yet know Jesus, we have this this massive opportunity to extend the hospitality of God to these people. And that oftentimes many people need to belong before they believe. Yes. And I would love, like, I know we've had conversations, but what does that mean? Like belong before believe and what might that look like for our church? Yeah. I think there's, there's a common misconception, um, even within this, this topic where, you know, are you abandoning evangelism? Are Mm. you abandoning, Mm. you know, sharing the good news by just trying to like, create something nice for somebody. And I Mm. think what I would like to say is Jesus ate a lot of meals with people that he did not agree with and with people that needed to be at a table before they were in a synagogue or they were in a church or they were receiving Mm. something like that. It's good. And I just like, I just want to speak to like the fun, like let's get out of concept land and go into like fundamental. I mean, I'm I'm an extreme extrovert, right? Like I love people. I love connecting with people. We couldn't tell. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, I was about to say, if you've ever walked into our church, you've probably seen seen that and experienced that. Yeah. Um, and, And we'll talk about, you know, how this relates to extroversion and introversion a little bit later. But like, I just really tangibly believe that the most powerful thing you can do as a human being is relationally connect with somebody, mm. is is yeah. pursue yeah. proximity instead of pursuing distance, right? So, like, what can we offer to the watching world in a very practical sense? Every single human being, we've already mentioned this, wants somebody to listen to them, mm-hmm. yeah. wants somebody to see them for where, where they're at and for who they are. And if somebody does that, there are there is something that happens to the innermost part of you that starts to melt away. Where mm. you've put yeah. up walls, yeah. where totally. you've put up all these harsh things and protective elements, like when you start to enter in with love and not a fake, cheesy, like weird smile love. No. But this yeah. like, no, it's good to see you. Thank you for sharing that. No, it's good to be with you. Let's go get a meal. That sounds really hard. Can we like hang out and talk about that sometime or even just hang out and forget about that for a little bit? Like, can we just yeah. start doing these really normal things? Um, people are going to start to experience tenets of the actual gospel that people who have been impacted by the gospel are giving to others in such a way that is different than just simple words are communicating, right? Yeah. yeah. Like the the way that we get to communicate the love that Jesus has given to us with our words after we have communicated that with our actions is different, right? And I'm not saying that there's a comparison between the two, like you have to love people before you share the, like, no, I'm just saying like when we're talking about the general culture of our church, when people walk into it, whatever walk of life that they have, that they are in, I hope, my hope and prayer would be that they are experiencing and belonging a little bit more tangibly toward the gospel than they were when they 
mm. first walked in. Yes. Like, yeah. It doesn't have to be this radical transformative thing, but over time, when you're said hi to, when the details of your life are remembered, yeah. when mm-hmm. your name is remembered, name. things like that, yeah. like – it sounds so silly, but like, how many places do you go, and how many ex- like circles do you exist in where you're not known, where, right. you're not, yeah. where your story's really, not yeah. heard, where you, it's, you know, it's the uh, it's the old Cheers, right? You want to go where, where everybody, everybody knows, knows your name, name. Yes. Right? like the old Josh, Cheers. Have you seen All right, that tweet show? it. Yeah, I'm, I know. <laughs> Jeez, but that, that is true, right? Yeah. The power yeah. of knowing names, and like, even if like, what would it look like if we were a community that prioritized like knowing people's names. Yeah. Um, well, I think we should get name tags, but I feel like <laughs> everyone tags. would disagree with me. <laughs> so, so I think like what you guys are hitting on is there's a felt ache culturally for belonging. Yeah. And oftentimes people just want to belong before they believe, but it also seems like family culture. There's another opportunity for another felt cultural ache around the divisiveness, right? Yeah. We live in a very divided moment. Yeah. Nobody, <laughs> Nobody's going to disagree that people yeah. are more divided now than maybe they ever have been. The digitized era, yeah. you know, everything post-COVID, all of that. And so one of the things that, that I would love for you guys to hit on is this opportunity in a divided world of family culture. Kind of you guys hit on the proximity. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, if, if you guys would hit on that. Yeah, I feel like we have an opportunity here to be face-to-face. And we fully believe and we say it a lot, like you were saying, about – you know, staying at the table. Yeah. Mm. When there's something that goes wrong, we try not to just go away and go into our little internet bubbles and try to talk that way. We want to be face-to-face with people at the table because, like you said, that's what Jesus did. We we want to, you know, if we have a devi- divisive situation, we want to bring people together yeah. to work it out. And um, I'm just thinking back to, like, our peacemaking training. Like, our we believe in it so much, our staff had this, like, two-day peacemaking training of teaching us, like, how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we want to embody that as the people of God because it's easy to run away. It's easy to quit. It's easy to just be like, I'm done. I'm going to, you know, cut out that person or whatever. It's it's hard to stay. But we want the family culture to be a place where people can stay. People can have disagreements and still love each other and, and stay there together. Yeah. And I think something that you actually take away from people <clears throat> in a culture where um, we're supposed to distance ourselves from anything harmful, anything that is difficult, Toxic. and anybody that yeah, and anybody that disagrees with us. What you're removing from the actual human experience is, and it, this is going to sound paradoxical a little bit, but the freedom to disagree. Yeah, there's something that happens in relationship when you are in true familial relationship. I mean, just think about your family for five seconds, okay? Yeah. Have you ever had a disagreement with your family? Family yes. Thanksgiving, yeah. right? Jeez. You know? Yeah, bring up yeah. bring up that conversation for a minute. There is uh, less of an option to just flee from that than there is if you just had an acquaintance with somebody that you happen to find, the, you know, you don't agree on and you're just never going to hang yeah. out with that person again. When you're committed to a family, you're saying, oh, my gosh, Uncle Fred, like – I love you, but we got to have a conversation about yeah. some of the things you said at Thanksgiving, you yeah. know? And you're yeah. actually able to move toward Uncle Fred and not distance yourself from him. God bless Uncle Fred. Um, because what he's teaching you and what that environment is teaching you is it's actually better to press into difficult things yeah. in the environment of a family, again, yeah. assuming all the things we said were true, than it is to just flee from it. Right. Your soul actually doesn't experience any sort of reconciliation when you just depart from all things difficult. Totally. And I'm saying that as somebody who despises difficult things yeah. to feel on the inside. I don't mind conflict, but oh my gosh, I hate dwelling in these things. 
But being in a family culture helps remind me like, no, no, this is good for the, this is good for my soul. Regardless of what culture is teaching me, regardless of what these other things are trying to convince me of, like microwave culture does not exist. The slow time uh, of pursuing a relationship is actually what's most beneficial. Yeah, I was just going to say, too, that gives me like a a tangible example of like my own two boys. They sometimes fight about toys and it's really hard, but I have to keep bringing them back together to tell them they're little. They're like three and six. And so I have to keep being like, hey, okay, guys, I know you're disagreeing, but we're family. We're brothers and we have shared experiences. We want to get through, you know, figure this out so that we can continue living on together in harmony because we have we want to live together. We believe in this family, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a great example of your boys, and I think it's a it's an image around this family culture, which what we're saying is one of the opportunities, I think, is when you are near, proximity matters, right? Yes. And if you draw near to someone, even if you disagree with them in a very divided moment in our society right now, Proximity breeds empathy. Yes. Because ultimately what you're doing by moving near someone, Melissa, everything you've said about listening, hospitality, stories, knowing, when you learn someone's story and you begin to know them, even if you completely disagree with them, like wildly disagree with them, you've heard, hey, even if I really disagree – I see how you got there. Yeah. I now have an empathy where I can understand your story, your point of view that led you to believe this or led you to this conclusion. And I fundamentally disagree with you, but your family, I know you, I've heard your story. Your story has evoked in me a compassion Mm. and a care and a love for my brother or sister. And what that does is everything you guys just said is it keeps us at the table. Yeah. Yeah. But when you do not have proximity and you have distance, distance then breeds suspicion. Mm -hmm. Right. And it makes you suspicious. Mm -hmm. And there's something that we say around redemption all the time um, of given the least amount of information, people will automatically always connect the dots in the most pathological ways possible. Meaning when you're a Apart from someone, there's distance. Mm. You believe the worst. And you're like, this person's crazy. They believe it. You don't know their story. You don't know what's happened. We all have wildly different stories. Even the three of us sitting in this room or on this table, we all have very different stories, but they've led us here. And Mm so one of the things that I hear you guys saying is like there's an opportunity, the proximity of knowing stories that really cultivates not division, but actually remaining at the table. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. and one, one of the other things, too, just for us, contextually, the context we're in, right, where yeah. we're located in Tempe, the largest university in the country is in our backyard. Um, speak about, like, the opportunity that family culture has to Tempe and kind of the transiency, transient nature of where we live. Yeah, I was just going to say with with college students and with careers, um, you know, I heard a statistic recently that people under 35 will have 40 jobs within their lifetime. Wow. Which is crazy to think about. Well, that probably means a lot of moves, a lot of uprooting. And I think uprooting in our culture can feel like really exciting, but we want to give people a place to stay, a place a mm. place to belong. So if you like, it might be transient, but you have your people here. Mm. And I feel like a lot of people that move on. I mean, I hope our hope is that we they think back to this time richly of like, wow, I was known there, I was seen there, and 
Yeah, I think in general, um, I've moved around a ton of times in my own life, and it's been a challenge to think being rooted is actually really, really good and biblical. Um, And yeah, I want a place where I'm known and seen and belong as well. Yeah, and how, I mean, even just using something as practical as moving as an example, moving with 10 people is a lot easier mm. than moving with oh, two yeah. people and or by yourself. Like, yeah. So if that's true practically, I think it's also fair to say that like the emotional things that you go through in a transition, the difficult things yeah. that you don't have clarity on, the wisdom that is taken from maybe those that have gone through transition before you. Like, mm. who wouldn't want those things? Just like who wouldn't yeah. want someone to carry up their couch, up yeah. a, you know, up a flight of stairs. Um, I just think it's like yeah. a really simple reality of like even though we're in a transient culture and a transient area I think what we can provide is amidst that a lot of things that are swimming up that stream Mm. which is this slowness this deep rootedness this long branches come from those deep roots you know yeah um so I've even seen that too even people that have come to this church and maybe been planted elsewhere or you know end up somewhere else they keep some of that cultural like the culturalness of it, mm-hmm. you know, they keep that slowness, they keep yeah. that rootedness. And I think that's just a testament to all of these things actually landing into the soil of people's hearts, right? Amen. Like it's not, yeah. you know, it's because once you've experienced moving with other people, you never want to move alone again. Yeah. Like yeah. you never want to do this alone when you've experienced doing this with people that call you family. So, yeah, yeah I think, yeah, I, I love what both of you guys are saying. And I, I just think like, we lead the new here class here, and one of the things that, and also community launch, like we're leading all of the kind of connection points for people to community to experience yeah. family culture. But one of the things that I think is so fascinating is the number of people that are moving here. Yeah, like right. The majority of people in new here and who go through community launch, they've moved to the city. Yeah, yep. And so the transient nature isn't just like, oh, it's a college town and people are moving away. There are tons of people. I mean, obviously, we know the city is growing, yeah. one of the fastest growing places in the country. And even um, there was uh, some research done even on the surrounding area of Tempe. So 10-mile mm-hmm. ten, radius uh, from where the church is, kind of the surrounding area. In the next 10 years, there's going to be more than 200,000 more people that live in our, in our area. Yeah. So oh, that means man. like— 20,000 plus more people a year for the next 10 years yeah. are going to be moving in to our area, which Need means, hovercraft. Yeah. Get, yeah, yeah, you know, like <laughs> get Tempe Town traffic. Lake, they're, they're developing that. They're building a bunch of high yeah. rise condos like this area. It, there's a lot of new people. Yeah. And so just to kind of like kind of put a cap on all of the aches, I think in light of like the longing for belonging, a really divided world and moment we got a lot of new people who are looking for like, man, is there a place where I can belong? And I think yeah. there's an opportunity for us at Redemption Tempe to say there are tons of people moving here. Yeah. And if we can embody this, I think it is absolutely beautiful for the watching world and for yes. those who are asking questions and who are wanting to yeah. connect and longing for those type of things. Yeah. Um, and so I think – you know, one, one of the things that would be helpful for people listening is just as we talk about this vision of kind of like, okay, well, why and what are the opportunities, the felt aches that this addresses, the how. Like yeah. how are we actually doing this at Redemption? How are we trying to embody this, accomplish this? And so I would love for you guys to just share about kind of Redemption Tempe, the environments at Redemption. What does that look like? 
Yeah, uh, we I feel like we've we've done a really good job creating spaces for people. So even we changed the front of our sanctuary. So now there's tables where people can actually sit mm. before and after services. Um, we purposely have like lawn games and things so that kids can play after service. We make sure that our services don't butt up to each other. So there's time in between to hang out and linger. Um, yeah, we've created the backyard, which is going to be a cool space that people can use, um, to just, yeah, green space to play and, and do activities. Uh, we have so many different events too. Uh, you know, we have seasonal communities, we have connect events where different groups can get together, men and women's. Uh, one of my favorite is like, we did a women's paddleboarding thing, which was such a fun way to connect with people. And I know you guys do stuff on the men's team as well, but yeah, we have intentional structures and opportunities for people to connect throughout the year. And you, you mentioned season, like you mentioned seasonal communities. What, what do you mean by that? What are seasonal communities? Yeah, so well, we have um, you know Bible studies as well as um, redemption communities, which are year long commitments. Uh, but you know, we go throughout the year with people. We we definitely get to hang out with people, and it's 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 very intentional that we do studies together and que- sermon discussion questions. Um, yeah, we and we have Kaya, which is our college and young adults group, so that they get to connect with you know that age group and. Um, we're just constantly doing different events for people. Yeah, yeah. Kaya, Kaya has uh, Kaya means uh, it's abbreviated for college and young adults. Uh, Kaya has really embodied the family culture mm. stuff. Oh my gosh, in a, yes! In an amazing way uh, on Tuesday nights, the gatherings, the, all the all the different events that they're doing, places for um, young adults, yeah. college students, and young adults to connect. They've really um, embodied this well. It's been really beautiful to see uh, just a ton of people in that age demographic, predominantly 18 to 25 year olds that, that are, that are experiencing family culture. Totally. And like something I think our whole church can learn from them and the leadership that they've been able to implement there is young people when they're still figuring things out are, I, I know this might upset some boomers, but they're actually humble enough to ask the questions and say, I don't know more than you think. And when you're able to do that, especially in a transient culture, like I think what, what, buds from that and what comes from that is um, is a willingness to to um, participate in a community where you're not just giving all the answers, but you're actually willing to receive. So like being known, yes, is giving your story, is sharing those things. But something I think I've seen in that ministry specifically that kind of answers this question of how do we do this here at Redemption um, it's coming to the table with that full range of like, hey, I need others. I need you. I need clarity. I need prayer. I need help. Yeah. Like all these things are are ways that you can embody family culture. Um, yeah. And I think amidst all of these avenues for community and connection and family culture to happen, I think the really important thing to mention is we can only create environments where this can happen. Yeah, but the good. way in which family culture actually sets into your soul and starts doing things to you, meaning like forming you and shaping you into the image of Jesus, is how you believe that it is true mm. and how you show up, right? Yeah. So it's your attitudes towards things. It's the way that you participate in things. It's the way that you uh, have eyes to see yeah. other people at certain things. So when you're going to something like a First Wednesday, which if you're not familiar with is, you know, First Wednesday of most months, we get together, we choose a topic, there's a food truck, you connect yeah. with others, and then you discuss a, a topic. We listen to a speaker, we discuss it, we think about it. 
if you're just showing up to get something for yourself and yeah. you kind of get your food and you sit in a corner, you're not going to experience the fullness of what that offers, right. that environment is offering you. Yeah. So how are you looking for people to uh, connect with? How are you looking to create a hospitable environment as a family? You know, we all knew people growing up that had family reputations, right? Mm -hmm. Like we all knew that when your mom scheduled that play date with that one family, it was going to be a certain kind of afternoon, right? Where you're like, oh gosh, (laughs) you know, like he's going to steal all the toys away. He's not going to let me play with anything. Like, you know, there's a reputation of that versus maybe the family that constantly just had an open door and what's mine is yours. And it wasn't just the hospitality that was shown that really had an impact on you. If you think about it, it was all of the intangible things that that family had to do to create that hospitable environment. They had to make a decision as a family. Hey, we're going to tell people to share. We had to, you know, what, what is mine is, is yours. And like, um, just think about the impact that that had on you. So when you're coming to these things like an RC, like a connect event, it is the environment that we've created so that family culture can happen but yeah. it's up to everyone to participate in that in order for that family culture to truly, really be felt. Yeah. Totally. So I, I hear you saying, hey, we've we've intentionally structured our church and made decisions, like you mentioned first Wednesday, the decision to have a food truck, the decision, Melissa, you said to put tables outside of yeah. the sanctuary so people can hang out, the decision to not have our services you know, at 9 and 10.30, but 9 and 11 so that people can hang out for 45 minutes in between, right? These type of things are intentional, how we've structured kind of the church, but then also all the environments you're talking about, connect events you hit, you know, seasonal Baptism parties, I forgot that one. Yeah, baptism parties, that's another great example. And so I hear you guys saying, hey, we can create the environments, but we can't actually make family culture happen. Right, right. There's an onus on you as a member of the church family to participate, yeah. or we could say, you could say there's a commitment to this, right? Yeah. Like, and so I would love to hear you guys speak on what is participation and maybe even it's a fundamental paradigm shift or yeah. a mentality yeah, shift yeah, yeah, yeah. of how you approach relationships and the church. Would you guys, yeah, for sure. Melissa, hit on that? Yeah. So I feel like we, in our, we have to admit that our society is a lot, a lot of it consumeristic. I mean, we go into things and even in the church, sometimes you can hear the language like, I want to be fed. I want mm. to receive. Um, it's very much, um, transactional. Like I'm going to go and we can do this in our relationships too. I'm going to go and I'm going to receive from you. And I'm not thinking, or I don't have the lens to look through that and say, Oh, actually, what do I have to offer this person? Mm -hmm. So it's, it is a lens, like a shift of how we see things. We want to be, have like a transformational, um, lens versus a transactional lens. Like our story could impact somebody that day. The way that we say hi, the way that we make eye contact, it doesn't have to be this whole long thing. And you were mentioning extroverts and introverts, yeah. and I'm an extrovert too. So <laughs> it's, it's even just God, smiling. All of, all of us are at the table. Yeah, <laughs> real, real good representation yeah. for the introverts here. Well, I try to think about them sometimes because <laughs> <laughs> well, it's important. I love that you said that. I know you and I are at least both married to introverts. So yes. that, that, that helps yeah, us it think. It does. It yeah. does. Yeah. But yeah, I think just the idea of like, okay, 
how can we do that even during passing the peace during the service? Yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, well, maybe don't say hi. It's great that you have people you know and that you have people to hang out with, but maybe say hi to somebody new. Um, I feel like that's more of having a lens to see the new person, yeah. to see the outsider, and remember that we were once that person. For sure. Mm. I remember the first, the reason that I'm at this church is because I showed up, I didn't know anyone at this mom's event, and I had a few people, including Jackie Belitho, talk to me mm. and say, hey, how are you? And have eyes to see me and my newness. Mm-hmm. If we can have that, it's going to transform the way that we operate. But we have to like put on that lens before we come into situations. Yeah. yeah. Is there a, Melissa, would you say, is there a different paradigm? I know you mentioned like the the consumeristic yeah. tends to make us yes. like view relationships as transactional, but how how should we view relationships or how should we enter into this if it's not yeah. transactional? Yeah, um, well, there's another another way would be like it, this is a contract versus a covenant. Mm-hmm. So sometimes if you come in, you're like, oh, this is a contract. It's like temporary. I can break it. And we break a lot of things in our lives. We break leases. We yeah, were able to get out of like airlines that I'll we I'll drop miss. T-Mobile for <laughs> Verizon in a heartbeat to <laughs> yeah. save 20 bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's just how we work. We work yeah. on this contract basis. And so, but a covenant is deeper. It's more like, no, I belong. I am part of this. I can't just like break it and leave. Like I'm not going to cut and run. No, right. I'm in this. I belong. Mm. I'm belonging to this. It's, you have more skin in the game. Yeah. So like the one of the things I know that we talk about when we teach community launch class to try to help set up a vision for this is the difference between a commodity that you consume Mm -hmm. and a community that you cultivate. Yeah. And so what I hear you getting at is some of that language of if you approach this as a transactional relational type of thing, you're just essentially saying – Ah, this is a commodity. Right. I'll just consume it. Yeah. I'm not really going to have skin in the game. Yeah. I'm not really here. I'm only going to be here if I like it. I'm only going to, you know, come to the table if it's with everybody that yeah, you know, I, know. I perfectly agree with versus like a community that you cultivate is not consumeristic. Yeah. It's not right. transactional. You're actually saying, hey, I want to um, I want to contribute something. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've got skin in the game. Mm-hmm. This is not a transactional thing because, once again, this is family culture. This is God's design. The church is brothers and sisters, and I'm in this. And that means when the going gets tough, like, I'm not dropping out, right? And so the the framework is don't view this as a transaction, I hear you saying, but view it as this is something that you're committed to. It's a community that you cultivate, which means you don't just consume, but you contribute. Yeah. Um, I I think that's really... I think it's really helpful for yeah. uh, as a reminder, but then also just for our people to hear. But I would I would love for you then to also hit. I know that um, God's been stirring stuff in you on just. Mm. I know you guys just hit it, but from our conversation uh, last week of just man, like having eyes to see people. You mentioned yeah. Jackie saw you yeah. at that mom's event, but yeah. what what does it look like for us to be a welcoming community? Mm. I think yeah, it it's it it's just a reminder that we um, we want to be that person for people. Like we have an opportunity in every new situation to see people um, the way that God sees them, yeah. the way that um, you know they are an image bearer. They have gifts, they have stories, they have um, something to offer. Mm. Uh, we could learn from them, and it's and maybe be take a posture more of like a listener versus you know. 
oh, I have all the information. I want to cut you off and tell you everything I yeah, know. For sure. And that's really hard for me, honestly, sometimes to to put that on and be like, all right, I'm I'm not going to just complain about my day. I'm going to actually listen and hear where you're coming from at your day and take a posture where I'm in the back seat. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think, again, something that's important to speak through is like, are we telling people that church is now Dutch bros? Like, mm. is it the place <laughs> where you have to come in and show up with 112% energy? Yeah. The answer is no. no. Like, to use an example, <laughs> I'll use the example of my wife and I. Um, someone was kind enough recently to give us some feedback about, um, not feedback, it was more of encouragement. Like, um, I... I they were kind enough to let me know that I show hospitality by making sure that nobody in a room is left unseen. I mm. want to talk to everybody. I want to yeah. welcome everybody. And I think the thing that was so unique is my wife, who's an introvert, um, they they gave her the encouragement that they uh, that she creates the room in which that can happen. So, yeah. like, yeah. if you are an introvert and you're, like, not a social person, you're like, does this mean I have to show up to church and talk to 80 people that I don't know and all these things? I actually think that your non-anxious presence by mm. showing up and uh, really gently communicating and really calmly communicating with people that might look a little lost or might look a little confused can be the difference versus like an over-the-top extrovert who's like Dutch bros in your face. Yeah. <laughs> like, welcome to church. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, my gosh. It's like, no. Like, yeah. I just – I think there's – that again, going back to family culture, like every single member of that family has something to bring in yeah. creating the environment, the room, the space – and the connection point for people to really experience something they might not have. One last thing I wanted to say on kind of the, the um, what we're inviting people into, right? Uh, I want to speak to people who may have had a really negative experience with this in, in people using family language against them yeah. in the church. Mm. Yeah, This is not our covenant. This mm. is God's covenant. Yeah. We are under that covenant. We are in that covenant. We are inviting people into something that we wholeheartedly believe is the best possible thing for them through the blood of Jesus buying that mm. for us. We are not asking for submission to ourselves. Yeah. That is not what the staff is doing, air quotes. Like we want this environment to be something where the absolute best tenets of the family of God can be experienced. So just to be ult like ultra clear, this is not like a blood covenant where you're drinking the Kool-Aid and you have to submit to us no matter what. Absolutely not. Like there's a healthy culture of all of us holding each other accountable and yeah. in check. Um, but that comes through covenant. It's really easy to get on Twitter and defame somebody and then leave. It's really hard to sit at the table with them and say, I'm actually going to work through all these things with you. Yeah. So just wanted to say that in the nature of like, what are we calling them to and how yeah. are we calling them to show up? Like, yeah. Um, and yeah. just awareness, I think. Awareness of like, hey, have you welcomed a new person lately? Like, yeah. have you yeah. – waved at somebody? Have you intentionally gone out of your way to be present to somebody in a yeah. conversation in your RC? Or maybe you're not in an RC, but in other ways, in other environments that we, you know, are creating. For sure. Make sure you have eyes to see those people. Yes. And don't wait for somebody else to do it. Yes. If you're listening to this, you are the onus. Yeah. <laughs> you are exactly. the person that's going out and doing this yourself. Like yeah. uh, amidst the, 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 um, the family, like, we want to be those that aren't just waiting for people Don't. to walk into our door. Like, go out and find them. Yeah. You know? It's very easy to just be like, oh, someone's going to come and find me. It's, yes. Oh, it's going to happen for me eventually. Once they and agree with there. me, yeah. then I can go and practice No, it's things. risky, like, no. but yeah. it's worth the risk, for ultimately. Sure. I would not be here if if I hadn't, you know, had that mentality of, hey, I'm going to go out. I'm going to try to meet people. It's yeah. going to be scary. I'm going to, like, take two steps forward, one step back. Yeah. Not everyone's going to be your best friend. Yes. But I want to be in a place yeah. where people 
help me see Jesus and feel like I belong. Yeah, I I, I love that, and I, I think it's the it is a hundred percent valid and just true, right? When we when we have done community launch classes, um, there's been some really cool examples of this, right? Where yeah. we've seen actually people form proactively. They're saying, "Hey, this is an environment." And an environment is just like, it's a room, it's a space, it can mm-hmm. be outdoors, indoors. It's just saying, hey, this class, community launch, this is an environment with a bunch of people who are wanting community. And do you want to participate in that? Which means, do you get to know the other people? And yeah. we've seen some really cool things happen yeah. where literally new redemption communities have been birthed out of community launch class with folks sitting at the table together. Right. And they're like, hey, you know, uh, maybe none of these RCs worked for our schedule. And, you know, there's six or eight of us sitting at the table and we've all gotten to know each other and we're kind of saying, hey, what would it look like to maybe start a new one? Like yeah. we, all, we, all, we all have like gotten to know each other and we've, I know stories of people grabbing lunch after church mm. together and then they start a Bible study. Yeah, totally. Like the, you know, the waiting in line at a food truck is an environment for yeah. family culture. Like, the passing the peace time, that's an yeah. environment, right? Serving together. Serving together is an environment. You know, a prayer and action group is an environment. A college, you know, a college and young adult event is a is an environment. A women's connect event is an environment. An RC, like all of these things are environments. Right. But if you just show up and you sit there, don't participate, <laughs> you don't talk to people. You kind of, you know, you have your arms crossed. And then you're like, oh, I'm lonely. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah. sorry, not sorry. But, yeah. <laughs> well, what we want to say yeah. is. Some tough family love right yeah. there. Yeah. What we can do and what our team sitting at this table is responsible for in the life of our church is we create environments. But we want to lovingly encourage you to say, be proactive and take advantage yeah. of those yeah. environments to say, hey, I realize this is an environment and Everything you said, Melissa, but do I have eyes to see, right? Because the the truth is we don't bring people into God's family. No. God does that work through Mm -hmm. salvation. It's through Jesus and the work of his transformative Holy Spirit, right? Like Mm -hmm. God brings people into his family, but now the question for us is do we welcome them, Mm -hmm. right? right? Like are we a welcoming place, meaning like – the church is the household of God, as we've said, and God is saving people and bringing people into his family. And as they look for a church home, are we welcoming them saying, hey, we are really glad that you're here. Yep. Hey, we want to welcome you into this church community. This is a family. It's an extension of the family of God. And so I just, as people are listening, the thing that we want to just reiterate is we want to encourage you. This is the vision of our church. It's something we've said is a priority Um, Over the last couple of years, it's a priority this year. Again, this is who we are, that we believe the church is a family. It's God's design. It's not ours. We believe it leads to human flourishing. People are looking for it. They're longing for it. There's a cultural ache. There's an opportunity for the unbeliever. The watching world is looking at the church. And what we're saying is we are trying to create as many environments for this to happen. And so Church, we invite you in to embody this with us as you already have been doing, but we don't want to uh, press the brake. We want to continue to step on the gas and say, hey, we, we want people to experience family culture at Redemption Tempe. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, Melissa, yeah, Josh, thanks for being on here. Love you guys. What a pleasure. We're so grateful really for you. Hey, and yeah. if, you, if, if you're listening to this, you're brand new to the church, come to the Connect Desk. We'd love to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> There's my extrovertedness coming once Absolutely. Yes. 
No, seriously, we, we love meeting new people. We lead new here, community launch, all that stuff. And it's one of my favorite things about uh, my job at the church is getting to meet new people and help them get connected. Connected, to the yeah. Love so, it. Love it. Thanks. Until next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of the All of Life podcast. To get more information on Redemption Church Tempe, you can download the Redemption Tempe app or you can send an email to tempe at redemptionaz.com. 